to Radio Wasteland, the best name anything, anywhere, at any time. I'm your host, Chauncey Hallworth. That's my co-host, Kara Kittrick. Hello. Uh, Kara, I got a, I got a question for you. <clears throat> yes, what's Why up? Why didn't you tell me my writing was full of purple prose and adverbs? Uh, well, there were so many other things to mention. <laughs> I just, I figured there was no, there was, you know, it's triage. You deal with the, you sure, deal sure. with the head wound before you deal right. with the liver failure. Right, right. Um, You know, I'm going through one of these things and I, <laughs> I create so many things. I create so many things and I, I saw this and, and don't get me wrong, create so many things comes with this implication that they're good, but I have this attitude in my life no. that, no. that if creating something uh, is fun, and I'll give it a shot. You want me to design you an outfit? It'll be terrible, but I'll give it a shot. Um, right. <clears throat> so, you know, just in general, uh, I saw a woman explain to me the, the learning curve of creativity, and I thought it was interesting, and I thought I'd talk about it because it actually kind of helps yeah. me. And um, <clears throat> it is when you first start doing something, you have these, like, this is going to happen or, or something like that. Now, don't get me wrong. In the case of everything that I do, when I first started doing it, I was 12. I don't know. You know, I don't know how this applies <laughs> to a lifetime of failure, but, but um, you know, you have, you, you first learn something and you have expectations or you have not expectations, but a view of you. Sure. I don't know. It's different for everybody. And then as you learn, you, you swoop down. Because you, right. you basically learn all the stuff you didn't know, mm -hmm. which is a lot. <laughs> and then, and then it, it shows the curve start to swoop back up. And, and she was saying, you never get back to where you initially were. But right. uh, you do get closer. So you go from, from, you know, dreamer to reality to expert working, which is a constant uphill battle. Right. And I'm just like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Why? Why was this never explained to me prior? And uh, so I guess that's why I'm explaining it right now so that other people hear it as well. I, I wish I remember uh, who I heard this from. Well, you know, there's actually, I've seen this graph before and there's actually a name for it. Oh, is uh, it? Uh, yeah, and it doesn't just apply to making things. It applies to pretty much any human activity and it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. wherein you you know nothing you know you know nothing you get a little bit of knowledge and right. then you're you know you you have confidence over on the on the y axis and like progress over on the x axis and you get a little bit of knowledge and your confidence goes through the roof and you never get to that point again because it's unreasonable but and then you immediately fall off once you realize oh no this is right. hard Right. And, yes. that, and that applies to anything because everything is hard because right. we live in a bad world. Yeah. I think I think I've <laughs> in, in looking back on my life, <laughs> I think I realized that I have wallowed in those pits in a lot of different aspects of my life. And that's why I found it so incredibly interesting. Yeah. You and know, this is uh, why teenagers I don't think a lot of people realize they're wallowing in those pits. Yeah. Well. You know, I think it's it's better for the people around you to be in the pit than to be in the in the peak. But sure feels a lot nicer to be at that first peak where you think you know everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Apply it to a relationship. <laughs> oh yeah. 
I have, I have a lot of friends that are sort of obsessed with passion in a relationship and, you know, being mm -hmm. a person who's been in a relationship for two decades, just like everything else in life, as people change and grow and adapt, uh, passion ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. And if you can't make it through this downtime that you've committed to one another while you work things out, you're not going to get to the passion on the other side. And, uh, you know, that's why I see people, people who can't hold down a relationship a lot of the time or either have like traumas they need to work through or sure. of course, but, um, tend to be sort of obsessed with this passion. You know, right. They just want that first phase. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it happens a lot with art and creativity and probably people's careers. Uh, I don't know what happened to me. You know, I, apparently I'm positive now. This is a new chance. Positive. Well, excellent. Maybe you're coming out of that valley. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, negative was my mental brand. health. Yeah. Negative yeah. was my brand. So it's like, uh, what we need to do is get you like a fake mustache to go over your real mustache yeah. and be like, Chauncey is dead, but this is Chauncey from the negative zone. He's right. super positive. He's peppy, you know? Yeah. So having a full beard. Buy that. Yeah. Having a full beard. I wonder if they make like a goatee bulb cap. <laughs> like yeah. a, just like a I piece of skin that, would work. that I can put around the front of my beard. So really, I just have like huge pork chops and some like neck beard. You just you just need to learn to retract it. Just slurp <sighs> back into yeah. your face. Yeah, that brings up a whole nother conversation about the mirror of the universe, and that is: Are you the good one or the bad one? God. So okay, let's how. Because how are we doing this? If it's like equal in like skills and just general nature, but like their their no, no. that's the bizarro flipped. that's the bizarro universe. This is a whole different concept. That's that's DC okay. bizarro universe. You got Superman, Bizarro Superman. You know, right. I guess Bizarro okay, explain, Superman's explain also the rules strong. To me. Yeah, there's a lot of liberties to be taken here. So I guess. Um, I think it comes down more so to positive and evil intentions, not right. exact opposites. Hmm. Okay. So I just, I just take my temperament and my like ideology, all my beliefs and views about the world right. and just flip those 180 degrees. Right. Well, I think negative zone Kara is just a libertarian. Oh, yeah wearing a halter top yeah and a, and a mini skirt have you seen a do you even <laughs> have you seen these episodes that i'm talking about they're they're sort of these uh, star trek episodes. no not really oh okay these star trek the episodes show. with the goatees right are yeah. also evil notorious Spock. that the women that are evil um are like dressed like totally slinky like they got like halter tops and mini skirts and like heeled boots you know, and that's how they rule the evil realms, you know? Okay, but I might be the evil one then, because that's how I dress a lot of the time. Oh, you know, well, you I wear a, a lot of, of tank tops and, like, thigh-high stockings and long yeah. boots. That's how so, you can tell the skanky ones are from the, uh, from the mirror. Right. Universe. 
Okay, so the unmere version of me is not goth at all. Like we're talking pink sweater, scarf, just preppy and well, one of them's of- you. So I mean, we can't get like two out there. I mean, how many of you are there? This is just the mirror universe. One of them is you. No, I, I'm saying the mirror universe version of me is me, but like sort of like preppy. a cheerleader that works at a bank. I'm I'm thinking like preppy <laughs> campus youth Republican type vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I get that. Sings in the acapella group. Well, I did sing in the acapella group, but I don't do that anymore. So did you really? Yeah, I mean, in, in high school. Man, there's a lot of levels to your nerddom. Yes, that's true. acapella group in high. I mean, I sang in choir in like grade school, but in high school. That's like a whole, that's like. I feel like not, not really though. That's a lifestyle like, at that point. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. We're talking about Reading and we're talking about West Reading. So like. West all, Reading, I see. No, well, what I'm saying <laughs> is like, who, who was in choir? The really like churchy put together kids. Right. And that's also who was the popular kids at like, or at least at the time it was. I see. You guys were the socias so, and we were the cutters. I, oh, I don't know what that means, but okay, yeah. Uh, so there's this great movie called Breaking Away that takes place <laughs> in this small town and it has to do with bike riding. Dennis Quaid's in it. It's great. Absolutely great. You should watch it. But in town, there's a college and then there's the kids who like grew up as like the kids of the quarry workers. And so there right, were the exactly. socias and there were the cutters. You know, and the socias were like the cool kids with like the sweater draped over their shoulders. And then the well, cutters were all yeah, like, kinda. Yeah, you know, were like the dirty town kids. But I mean, I feel like this is, you know, there was definitely that divide in the school, but there's also like that divide, like just the people who live on the west side of running tend to be like much more affluent than the people who are more sort of over in the like Hartnell sort of area just like which is a bigger area and it's i don't know that it's a huge difference but like it there is kind of a difference so i, so, I think that was a that was so a you hit. guys thought you were better than us i think probably the the like <laughs> preppier kids were just more situated to be more popular at shasta high than say at enterprise but i don't yeah. know i don't i don't really know i have like I do maybe know, because ten, I'm messing. 10 friends in high school. So, yeah, I do know I do because I'm actually messing with you. So I went to uh, Enterprise High School. Oh, well, see, there you go. Yeah. And about a year in Enterprise High School, a bunch of my friends. I should probably change that. A bunch of people who ran in my circle. So, okay. you know, when you're a kid that <laughs> age, people run in your circle. A bunch of kids that ran in my circle vandalized a school with swastikas on it Mm, yeah and the cops came to my door and i got partially in trouble for this uh but my mom wouldn't let him have anything to do with me i swear to god i'm just all i don't you know i don't do no right i don't do no nazis you know and uh and then it had to get reported to the school uh, I had gotten in trouble at the school also, and I had a 0.0 grade point average. Oof. And I was given the boot. Oof. I had to go to Shasta at that point. 
Shasta High School. Shasta High School. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. My my high school career was split. So you've been on both sides of the tracks. I have. You are I the have. one who can unite Reading, except that you live in Ashland now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I got to come back in on a. Horse. Right. Yeah. At, at Redding's darkest hour, Chauncey appears on the horizon, sort of yeah. uh, on the dawn of the third day. Looked right. The, yeah. Looked yeah. Kind of Bringing reason to the reasonless. <laughs> That's you who's listening. Uh, <laughs> so you just have a band of like weird liberals from Seattle behind you on horses. With yeah. Their, yeah. You know, vegan lattes and all that. I don't think I don't think they would follow me. I, I don't get a following of either liberals or conservatives. Neither of them like the fact that I don't. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am. Yeah, that's fair. I purely vote socially. And I know that's terrible. And people are probably oh, you can send in some hate mail to us if you want. I, I normally base all of my voting off of socially. And this is why I, I tend to vote uh, liberally. So this might piss the audience off. That's good. Um, <laughs> I feel that if we all can't work together to solve the problem, the problem will not get solved. Therefore, a lot of the problems that they have us vote for, I don't even really care about as long as I vote for a world where we all work together to solve those problems. Until we fix that, I kind of see the rest of it as fodder for people to fight over. I feel like both sides definitely claim to represent a world in which people like work together, though. Uh, well, I, I, the only world where people work together is one where people are accepted for whatever they do. Ah, okay, I, I see what you mean. So you mean you vote like based on social issues? Yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Okay. I see. If, if, if somebody even gives no, me slightly racist, sexist, homophobic vibes, I'm not voting. And don't get me wrong, I mess up and I say stuff too, but I also expect the, the people that I elect to be better than me. Which is I'm not going to elect me, yeah. you know. Nobody's electing me. You know, I need somebody better than me. Somebody that I feel like didn't inhale. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, I say this from the bottom of my heart. You are better than Bill Clinton. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's nice. Hillary sure thinks so. All right, jokes aside, come on now. Let's move on, Carrie. You're getting weird. Uh, what uh, what did you bring for us in the news uh, today? Okay, so I brought for all of you three articles that you gave me. Oh, oh but, right, right, yeah. Uh, so the first one, inflation has been taking an insidious new form, according to Yahoo News, called shrinkflation, i.e. the size of many consumer goods have decreased. Bags of chips hold fewer chips. Paper towel rolls contain fewer sheets. Soft drinks are slightly smaller. These are techniques used by corporations to disguise increases in costs rather than increasing price uh, due to supply chain issues caused by COVID and more recently by Putin's invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions placed on Russia, which has in turn upended the global oil market, which finally makes shipping more difficult. You know, I have noticed this for, well, okay, that's not fair. My wife has noticed this for quite some time, and I have been made aware of it by her. <clears throat> so we've actually had quite a few conversations about this, and I thought it was interesting coming into the news. Uh, and I think the headline I sent you some, was something like they've like proven that a pack of Doritos was like five Doritos less than the 
right yeah, it, it is fewer chips on average right yeah yeah um and i i think this really raises the question of what is people's problem with this mm -hmm. this was going to have to happen and it could happen one of two ways well one of three ways it could happen by raising the price of the container that you already used to or it could happen by keeping the price and making the container smaller than you were used to, or by a combination of the two. One of those three things had to happen. Sure. Now, if we're talking about like, hey, the money's going somewhere and blah, 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 and all that stuff, sure, that gets into the weeds. That's a whole different conversation. So I think what we're talking about here is the ethicalness of these companies. Do you want to pay more companies. or do you want to get less? Right. And also the ethicalness of these companies and in, in making right. it clear to people. But when it's happening to companies across the board, um, how should they deal with this? Or, or how do you feel about this? Let's, let's go uh, from the, the heartfelt. So I, I feel like on this and just kind of the whole inflation issue, I'm coming at it from kind of a different perspective. Because here's my thinking, right? Uh, this inflation, we all know it's because it's of COVID, basically. It's because of supply chains. It's because a million people died in the U.S. nearly. Yes. I mean, we're, we're nearing a million. Absolutely, um, yes. A, a lot of them were, like, in transportation. You know, it is, it's big problems, which are not, like, the company's fault. It's kind of, yeah, you know. I, I, I blame say. COVID so much at this point that I don't even blame, I don't blame Biden, and I, I don't even really blame Trump for the right situation that we're currently yeah i mean i, I blame him for ukraine but you know right. i don't blame him for the uh, i don't blame him for the doritos so, i think trump mismanaged the pandemic but you know what so did a lot of other things right exactly this, yeah. this is a big thing it's a worldwide thing my issue with what the corporations are doing is that despite these are hard times right but corporations are still enjoying record profits because mm -hmm. they aren't taking the hit they're passing the hit on to us which of course they are I feel like the gov that is the exact situation in which the government steps in and says, corporations, you need to have less profits. You need to tighten the belt a little and keep the number of Doritos the same. You know, I think I think we're crying out for a law here that is just addressing inflation or prices or something so that it's not all on the consumer, which it is right now. I get you. And and <clears throat> I agree with that on on a heartfelt level, I do. Sure. I do agree with that. And uh, I, I'm, of course, that's why we're always wowed when we hear of a company that actually did it. You know, right. <laughs> when we hear of a company that actually took a hit to support their workers or, or their right. customers, we're all like, oh my gosh, you know, this is unheard of. Um, mm -hmm. But it is going into the weeds a bit. The economy, our government in general, a lot of people don't seem to wrap their brains around this. They're just, oh, it's Biden's fault. Kill Biden, you know, impeach right. Biden. Now there's signs all over impeach Biden. Well, impeach him for what? I mean, granted, he's not doing great, but I don't think he actually like did something, did he? But uh, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. Well, so here's the thing about that is that uh, there was a poll recently, I forget when, most Americans don't know that the inflation that they're experiencing that they know was happening because the inflation the high gas prices these are undeniable they don't know that these are caused by covid and supply chain issues what they think is that they are caused by higher government spending 
this is the prevailing narrative again among people who are basically uninformed or misinformed. How well, could anybody dumb, think Chauncey. that the company shut the country shut down for two years? At this point, we're just shy of ha- losing a million people. So we right. we shoved a bunch of money into, and I'm not talking about the ethics of any of this. I'm just talking about the logistics of it. You know, right. we shut down for two years. We funneled money into taking care of these things, into solving these problems. And now you think heavy spending is going on? No, heavy spending was going on when Trump was in office, but I don't blame him. Again, a lot of the advice that he was taking would have spent more. Yeah, you know, well, we're telling him other- to spend more. And maybe maybe they should have. Again, I'm just talking about the logistics of it. How could somebody possibly think that Joe Biden's bill to build back better that hasn't even happened? Because they don't follow the news. They hear he's a Democrat. They assume he's a tax and spend liberal because they've heard apocalyptic rhetoric about that. And they're like, there's inflation. Everyone knows inflation is caused by more spending. So they uh, assume that he's spending more. Is you know, the, the you're 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 looking for logic in a thought process that takes 0.25 seconds to get through, you know. <laughs> These people aren't thinking. That's the deal. Now, this is gonna come <laughs> as a shock to a lot of people, but I find all this stuff really interesting in a passing thing. Uh, I watch the news every night. I chit-chat with my wife, and I chit-chat with you. That's about the extent of my news knowledge. A lot of it is skimming headlines, just like every other American on this point. Yeah, we all do that. And I'm able to decipher the headline a little bit, even. And go like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not falling for that. You know, it's like, come <laughs> yeah. on, man. Now, my wife tells me that that. Uh, so we were talking about the curve earlier in life where you start out all great. Yeah. I've been wallowing in this in this thing. You know, my wife tells me I'm actually a lot smarter than I give myself credit for and that the world is actually a lot more stupid. But I personally feel like what one man can do, another man can do. And if I can come to these conclusions, especially while I probably hit my vape pen too often and don't get enough sleep and I'm totally out of shape, overworked and don't read anything about it. Why can't these people? It's insane. Well, I don't even know who I'm talking about. I am talking about every topic ever. (laughs) Well, you know, I think. I think a lot of the people who are assuming that this is because government spending are you know, you've got two categories here and you've got basically conservatives, right, who are probably like intelligent people who are able to parse the news when it isn't something that like really hits their bias. But, you know, I, I think someone says Trump caused this inflation, you know, suddenly they become Sherlock Holmes, right? They are in investigating every little nook and cranny of the article. You know, they are applying maximum skepticism. They're applying maximum brain power. Someone right. says Biden caused the inflation. I think they probably are like, yeah, that checks out, which we do on the left too. And then on the other hand, you've got people who just don't follow the news or politics at all. And I don't know, a lot of those people are are real young, frankly. Like we're talking mostly about like 19 year olds. But I don't I don't follow Grey's Anatomy at all. And I can tell you I do not have deep opinions about what's going on on that show because I don't care. Which is why well, I don't follow it. I'm talking about non-voters here. You know, I'm talking yeah. about 
I'm talking about people who are just disengaged, which there is a lot of American adults. I like how our show has switched from paranormal to me just being shocked by people. I feel like this is our whole new, our whole new premise. Instead of paranormal, <laughs> we'll just talk about how, how we're shocked by the normality of things. <laughs> uh, the real radio wasteland was just <laughs> yeah. this, just the suburbs. Yeah, and because I don't think we have any, uh, I, we have all weird news this week. But uh, I don't know if we have anything too batty, but uh, let's move on. Let's see what we got next. Yeah, well, so we got an armed man threatened employees and guests at the Rain Rock Hotel, uh, casino, sorry, not hotel, in Wairika last week after posting a rambling conspiracy-laden uh, manifesto about mind control, body snatching, and staged mass shootings by government sleeper agents. Officers arrested the man in question, who is now undergoing behavioral health treatment. Okay, my favorite part about this is that this guy took a gun into a casino because right. he was upset about staged mass shooting. Here's the thing about this guy. I'm get, I have not met him. Yeah. 99% chance he was having a mental health crisis and was just completely out of his coconut. I, I, I definitely think that's the case. <laughs> and frankly, I think that's the case even with a lot of people who do end up shooting things up. You know, that if uh, so just the other day I saw on Facebook, of course, I'll leave names out of it, that uh, one of my friend's kids was uh, just arrested for trying to carjack people with a with an air pistol that looks like a real gun. And uh, right. The cops ended up arresting him and, you know, reading through the Facebook messages. Uh, there's some compassionate ones in there, um, but only the people who knew him. And uh you know, I thought that was my wife put it pretty well. And she's all these are the same people that when it happens to them, they're going to wonder where all the compassion is. Right. Um, but I knew about this happening in Wairika because my wife and I drove down there that day. We we oh, went to the <laughs> we went to the casino. Uh, my wife like took like we go to the casino pretty often. My wife likes mm -hmm. to, to drink and gamble, frankly. Um, sure. Don't we all? I, I mean, that's why I keep, you know, <laughs> but uh, so she we pull up there and we see some cop lights up ahead and uh, a line of cars and we end up stopping and some big truck things driving by. It's funny because my wife's having to talk out the window, like looking up from our Kia Soul, which is already higher than most cars. But she's like talking up a whole nother car level to this big truck she has to relay the conversation to me because i can't hear it over the fumes um but uh i don't mean to be making fun of this guy it was really nice of him to share this but i i had to get it secondhand um and he basically said that it was shut down because uh within the last hour this uh situation had gone on right and um, we drive down to some bar and we're sitting there and somebody gives us uh, basically the backstory of what happened. And that's what you just shared with us. But, uh, you know, that day, my wife said she's just all I'm, I'm going to look real good today. And she's all I'm going to put on eyeliner and uh, actually do my makeup and like shave my armpits. And I'm just all like, ooh, you know, things are getting wild. And we get down there and I turn to her and I'm just all, thank God you'd put on your eyeliner today. Or, you know, if you had to spend an extra hour getting ready, we would have been standing in that casino. Right. Yeah. 
and no one got hurt. But Nobody like, got hurt. Nobody got hurt. Yes. That would have still been really terrifying. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had a, a shotgun, I think. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, I don't know how many people knew what was going on in there. I just. Uh, right. I'm sure it's a big place, but like. You know, what are we doing wrong here? And I don't want to hear about guns. I understand right. that guns maybe are part of the problem because they're available, but guns aren't what's causing people to use the guns more often in these situations. Yeah. Well, you have I mean, a manifesto, Kara, that you're not telling me about. <laughs> I I don't have a manifesto. Um, I could probably, I'm I'm doing the last minute on the manifesto. Girl, I, I could finding... whip it out in a week, so it's like. I could no. whip it out in an hour, Chauncey. Yeah, totally, what are you talking totally. about? I already Manifest got it lined out, really... but... Uh... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, no, well, so... Mental health treatment is hard, right? And yeah. I, I think that is one of the reasons a lot of people want to take issues like this and be like, this is about mental health. Because ultimately, the issue with mental health is that a lot of mental illnesses are just not all that treatable, <laughs> you right. know? Um, if you've got At this point, right. If you've got hardcore schizophrenia, there's a good chance that'll, you know, some combination of like drugs and therapy will, will basically get your brain chemistry working properly and, and get you participating in, in society. And it's way better than it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But there's also a reasonably good chance that like none of the drugs are really going to do it for you. And that's not just true of schizophrenia, which I think this guy probably was dealing with something like that. Like he thought people were poisoning him in restaurants. You know, he, he thought people were listening to his conversation. It's classic, like paranoid stuff. But, you know, people also do stuff like this because of just extreme depression or extreme anxiety that causes their lives to fall apart. You know, people do this stuff when they hit rock bottom and those are super common illnesses. And also a lot of, times not really that treatable you know if you if you've got treatment resistant depression it's kind of like well you're never really going to feel happy again so like chew on that right <laughs> and, yeah. and and you can you can work on it you can make it better but it still really really sucks so it's and it's it is not at this juncture something we can really fix so now, you used a term there I haven't heard before, treatment-resistant depression. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the medical term, but I, I think it is. I think that's, that's a term they use, basically, okay. for when okay. the Okay, well, then let's be work. clear. I'm just working with the concept. We're not trying yeah. to push a, push a term. But the, the concept. Right. Is the concept possibly the problem? Sure. So a lot of people who... We live in this world that I, I believe should be funding a lot more mental health help. Mental health is sure. not a family problem. It's a societal problem. If my next door neighbor is an old lady trying to raise her son who's in his 50s, who has violent schizophrenia, that is my problem, too. You know, yeah. she is not going to protect me. She's not going to protect him. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of problems. There. It's a societal problem. We need to work on that one together. You know, is the concept in this world that, okay, we're having economic problems, whatever the situation is, for some reason, we're having a, a spike in mental problems and 
that are leading to these shootings are well i somehow i i do want to point out that like most shooters are not mentally ill actually what like, okay this mm. this is the other problem that i have <laughs> i kind of feel like anybody who kills somebody is mentally ill anybody yeah, who murders if you murder now don't get me wrong anybody you know if you kill you could kill in self-defense or kill on accident but if you murder somebody aren't you kind of mentally ill to begin with well not diagnostically not clinically <sighs> like that's the <laughs> you know you're talking about like actual symptoms and shooters on average they're probably more mentally ill than the average population but you know like 50 percent of people will get diagnosed at some point in their life with some mental illness so it's like if 50 percent of the population is mentally ill can can you really say mental illness is what's causing the shootings like i i think you know there are definitely people like if you're this. into eugenics you can <laughs> <laughs> well god okay and yeah like mental illness can be caused by the environment and stuff you can have depression that is like not really neurochemical it's like your life sucks so you're depressed kind of thing and i that i think that's what a lot of depression is and i think a lot of sh like shooters might be mentally ill in that sense but also if you look at high profile shootings it's okay so we divide we divide this up our statistics on mass shootings most of it most mass shootings that get recorded are not really what we think of when we think of mass shootings right so it it's mostly basically stuff like you know, a uh, uh, husband shoots his wife and a police officer. That's a mass shooting, right? Or oh, like two, two police officers, you know? It, well, it's just the way it's counted is, is counterintuitive. Sure, but when, sure. This number of people in this given amount of time. Right. But when we're thinking about like the big high profile mass shootings, like uh, you, you, your situation where someone walks into a public place and just starts shooting people for like, no. I believe they're they called massive to. multiple online shootings or mass <laughs> okay sorry, sorry. So stuff like that is is a minority of mass shootings but counted in the statistics but when you look at why people do stuff like that it's normally you know their life really sucks and they're violently depressed combined with some kind of extremist ideology okay and that that's really the ingredient that does it it's usually so this kind know, of brings me back to what i was yeah. saying they're they're lost and confused and and extremized um mm -hmm. so using creating a world where we have dug so deep into people's mental illness everybody i meet has a has a mental illness everybody they're just yeah. all like oh i gotta put this uh put this chair over here it looks better you know i'm a little ocd like that and i'm all like no you're not Right. You know, yeah, that's not just what the damn OCD chair is. And that's totally <laughs> yeah. fine. But don't, you know, it's like you are not OCD. You know, I know people who are OCD. I live with one. And uh, the rest of her family is that way too. And, you know, they are like literally counting the boxes of cereal and only taking the third back last one from every can as they're shopping and stuff like this. You know, that's OCD. You know, I've, I've known people who had to like, put on their slippers three times while like whistling and breathing in and out going, you know, it's like, that's OCD, you know? And so mm -hmm. in this world where we all have something and everybody's looking for something, and that's my point. When we have 
ideas of untreatable things, doesn't it exponentially explode the doubt that's already growing in all of these people? All of us think we have something. I'm medicated for something. In fact, I'm confident to say just about everybody I look at, whether they admit it or not, are. Yeah. Just about. Okay, I get what you're saying. Does heartburn count? Because if heartburn counts, I'm going to say everybody is medicated. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are broader societal issues to talk about here than just lots of people are crazy, right? But on, on the other hand, some medications legitimately don't work for some people who do need medication, but that just doesn't work. Right. And who can say how many people that is, right? You know, right. Who, can, who can say how many people just need like a better paying job and people who love them in their life and they don't have that, you know? I, I think that's probably a lot of what it is. And I, you know, extremist ideologies, no matter what they are, are going to be attractive in a society where people don't like the status quo. So right. improve the status quo and the, pro <laughs> the problem starts to solve itself. I guess that brings us a bit full circle because that's kind of what I was saying earlier until we're in a world where uh, people are considered equal and can be themselves and go do their stuff. A lot of these little things wouldn't be problems. Mental health wouldn't be a problem in that world. We would basically say, oh, that person needs some help. Let's help that person out. You know, and and everybody's just, oh, that's too altruistic. No, it's not. It's self-centered. It's crap. Half the people that I help out in my life is so that they will leave me alone. <laughs> right. And that's, and anybody who thinks that's not the case, go ask your mom or your wife. 90% of the crap that they do is so that you will shut up and go away. You know, that's what my wife does. She basically says, Oh, I already took care of the dishes. You know what that means? That means. Chauncey, go play on your computer. I'm going to watch some TV shows and I don't want to hear anybody talk. <laughs> it's nice that you do have your own. It's nice <laughs> that you communicate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you have there. a rough day and you're just, I am not down for this right now. So I'm going to get all the obstacles out of the way to make my life easier. And uh, that's what they do. I mean, my wife does all of our laundry in the whole house. You know why? So we don't accidentally butts up her clothes like we have done <laughs> right. many 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 times now we're not going to now but she's so incredibly in the habit of it i have to like get in her way and like fight her to do some laundry so that she will go do something else but she's so stuck in the habit of of, of clearing space for herself from a bunch of people sure. who don't give a crap which is her family through the years you know uh so basically I guess my point here is if you can't get behind taking care of mental health because you're a caring, compassionate person, get behind it because you're a selfish piece of whatever word fits in there in your brain. You get where we're going with this. All right. Sure. I'm getting myself worked up, Kara. Maybe we need to switch stories. All right. Well, what have we, what have we got last? Uh, so, <laughs> well, I guess you'll like this one then. A new study suggests that half of Americans alive today may have had their IQ lowered due to lead poisoning. The study basically looks at anyone born before the 1996 ban on leaded gasoline. Those born uh, before it may have had their IQ lowered by three points on average and may suffer from faster aging of the brain as they get older. 
This is, of course, not the only pollution-related effect on IQ in the second half of the 20th century. Many scholars believe the drop in the crime rate in the late 80s may have been at least partially due to various laws reducing the lead exposure of Americans. Many people are still exposed, however, especially in poor, often historically Black communities where there's no money to improve rotting public infrastructure, for instance, in Flint, Michigan. Okay, you should have opened with this one because this could have answered a lot of our previous questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we're talking about why is everyone so crazy? It's right, lead, baby. Deal. It's the lead. And yeah, Just the lead. The lead. Um, got to get the lead out. Okay, so here's the, the conspiratorial part that I find shocking. I always feel the need to address two Americas when I'm talking. I am addressing the audience in uh, in the world that cares about looking at something and and trying to take it apart themselves. That's who I'm addressing. It is shocking how this is going to be taken care of. Basically, nobody's going to care. Nothing's going to be done. And nobody's going to address it. We basically just, you know, what is a normal IQ? I bet you oh. know. I bet you have some idea of what the number is. I mean, technically 100, but it's normalized. So it's kind of meaningless. Like it's all the norm. The number 100 is always going to be the normal IQ in any given distribution, just because that's the way the tests are set up. If it if the median is like 97 or something, they'll make it. They'll make 90. They'll make 100 the new 97. Oh, good. That makes life easy. Um, but it's 100. That's the answer. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Um, so you made $100 on your paycheck, but they gave you 95. How hard is this for people to wrap their brain around? Apparently, it's really hard because we all have 5% less. But basically, <laughs> you had literally have 5% less brain power because of. It's a three point drop. Oh, okay. Well, three points. So three percent. Three percent. That's not so bad. Well, they also said other other factors. They were basically also saying that other things that we might have done can also cause this to us. So right. it basically yeah. means we could be just shaving our brains away uh, with this. And now that's not the shocking part. The shocking part is nobody will care. And nobody will do anything. It's not why lead was taken out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it will not. And people might be saying, well, what do we do about it now? What we do about it now is we utilize it as an example of we just made the entire planet less intelligent because well, of the repercussions country. of something that we did. Yeah. I mean, that should be eye-opening to a lot of people that a, a baby, basically global choice as small as that um, made us dumb. Yeah. And, you know, three, three points isn't a lot, but it's like... It's going <laughs> it's in the wrong direction. a lot when direction. you're talking about brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going in the wrong direction that evolution implies that humanity is going. Or that yeah. we like to think that evolution is sending us, whether it's true or not. We would prefer not to be dumb, right? Yes, that's we want the, to get better. It's contrary to the human experience. <laughs> no, this is interesting, though, because, like, here's the thing. We, P 
people tend to think of IQ as something that is basically how your brain is wired due to your genes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get something like this. It's easy to understand that exposure to toxic chemicals while your brain is developing is going to mess with your connections a little bit. But also, IQ is not a measure of how good your brain is. IQ is a measure of how well you do on an IQ test. Yeah, and it's your it's it's a measure of your ability to problem solve. Well, kind of. Here, here's the thing. IQ is not people who do these tests today, who study this, who look at this, IQ is not very useful for like really for assessing individual like abilities, which is what people assume that IQ is for. What IQ is for really, what it's actually useful for is looking at a thousand people and saying, you know, the thousand people over here got these scores and the thousand people over here who coincidentally live next to the paint chips and radioactive waste factory got these scores, you know, what what can we say about this? IQ is useful for assessing like developmentally disabled people as one diagnostic tool in a whole bunch of different other diagnostic tools. And IQ is useful for if you've got a, a kid who basically tests well for saying, you know, maybe they need to be moved into like harder curriculum because this isn't challenging them. Right. What IQ is problem solving and pattern recognition. That's that's basically what all the all the things are. They're mathematical problem solving situations or pattern recognition (laughs) situations. Well, see, that's what it's designed to be, but it doesn't actually do a great job of that. Oh, oh, yes, yes, I'm totally with you (laughs) on that. (laughs) IQ is is highly biased to the to the uh... right, and it's not nearly as biased as it used to be, but still, basically, what IQ measures is how well you are at taking, how good you are at taking tests. And if, you know, anyone who's like an adult and says, well, my IQ is 150, it's like, it's meaningless. You know, your IQ stops having, IQ basically stops having any meaning for an individual person beyond, you know, school age. It's useful to determine like what classes people should be in. So now I'm not saying this three point drop isn't a big deal. I'm just saying, the point I was working towards is that there are many other things that also cause a three-point drop, you know, or, or more, right? If your parents don't read to you as a child, that can be just as bad as if you've got lead poisoning, basically. If, you know, there are so many things that have nothing to do with the way your brain is wired that are going to lower your scores on an IQ test. Okay, well, what I was saying is the political, the global implications of what what this means should affect us but as far as what you're saying is so it's i'm saying we should be worried about those things too i'm saying well are we also saying that it's just as likely that the um iqs dropped in those areas because nobody gave a crap enough to fix their pipes and therefore that was representative of the types of attitudes going into teaching and growing that culture I mean, yeah, it's possible. I, I think they, they can probably get more like, like if you see IQs before the 1996 ban and IQs after, and you see a big change, you can think, yeah, lead probably had something to do with it, right? Hmm. But I, there are so many things that 
are going to affect how well someone does in school. There are so many different factors. And like, we should all care about lead poisoning is an easy thing to wrap your head around. But what about like, we should all care about making historically impoverished communities better places to grow up so that kids don't like have bad outcomes for reasons that are beyond their control. Like it's, it's not quite the same thing as being poisoned with lead, but it kind of has the same exact effect. Hmm. Right. So maybe I'm taking this to a, a whole different place than you were taking it. But uh, Well, no, I, I think a lot of these conversations just come back to the, the thing we were kind of saying about mental illness earlier on. Right. And that is uh, that these are global problems. And I think a lot of the, the issues with people is whether or not you view the world. Well, let me ask you this. Who didn't give? Now, when you talk about the Ukraine, let's say, and not giving sure. them the money uh, months ago, years ago, maybe two years ago. Um, do you think of it in terms of we or in terms of he? I'm I'm trying to figure out a good way to explain this that that even when society makes bad mistakes, it's still a we. No, I, I get I get what you're saying. You know, yeah, Margaret Thatcher. This. Here's a quote uh, quote to chew on. Margaret Thatcher once said, "There's no such thing as society. There's only individuals and families." Right. Personally, I think that's insane. Like. That's like saying there's no such thing as the human body. There's only cells, right? Right. But the point she was trying to make is that basically we are not all in this together and that, you know, you can, it's all just down to people making choices and you can make the choices that you want and you're not accountable to any kind of thing. So. Right. Which, which is part of the problem. And, and <laughs> yeah. she might be right. She might be right, which is why it's so unpalatable but um right she so i mean she's dead but we i view myself as an individual i view myself yeah. as a member of the family and i think a lot of people do practically everybody yeah um but do they all view themselves as connected to their neighbor i, I, I think for a lot of people the answer is no uh that's you know, terrible and, well, and I of think course this, these problems aren't going to get fixed. <laughs> exactly. Well, time. <laughs> I spend a lot of time looking at the comment sections on Fox News just yeah, to too. see kind of Anytime what Anytime something comes thinking. up about it, I'm just all, ooh, you know, Venus Williams is in the news. Let's see what the Fox News comments have to say about this. I take any topic that I know is going to go. I, it's, a, it's a horrible hate porn situation. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Exactly. Well, I, I was just saying that, like, any time I see the... Like there was one article about someone who got shot by the police and someone in the article was quoted as saying, you know, society failed this kid. And basically every other comment going down the line, just scrolling down and scrolling down for thousands of comments, so many comments basically said, I didn't fail them, that kid. I had nothing to do with it. Society didn't fail them. I wasn't there. I'm not responsible for this. You know, right. their parents fail them. And it's like, that is the mindset. The mindset is I have nothing to do with people I don't know. Right. Basically. 
I think that's a bad mindset for a lot of reasons, but I think it's it's one that people aggressively believe in a lot of cases when you're talking about like far right partisans because they are they essentially are libertarians and they see the world in those terms and that's that's what that philosophy is right which i could get behind i could get behind this and here's here's why if they're believing in a world where our governments don't do that and society does um does it separately in the free market and blah 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 so on and so forth the thing that they yeah. spout the thing that we all kind of spout right or have spouted um i'm not getting that vibe from a lot of these attitudes i'm not getting that we'll take yeah. care of these people ourselves because we love and care about them i'm not you know if 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 they're my advice to anybody out there who is agreeing with that i would say include that second part because that first part is it's just not a message i'm going to get behind you got to <laughs> include the but we love them and we're going to help them another way you know if you yeah. don't include that part uh it's a hard sell yeah i mean i see a lot of people who who basically do do tack on the but you know the free market and people charitably giving will take care of all of this and I, I see either. that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, I think that's a, a silly fantasy. You know, you know how much of his income he gave to charity? 0.01%. Like, like far, far less than the average American gives. And this is true for essentially every billionaire, except for like Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates give about as much as the average American does like in terms of a percentage of their wealth. So it's, I, I really, I think the philosophy, you know, let the chips fall where they may and the powerful people will, will take care of the poor is, is ultimately, you know, it's, it's going to be the greedy bastards who are going to be at the top no matter right. what. And they will never help anyone because that's not who they are. Well, I mean, that's what we're looking at in Russia right now. Yeah. Basically at the collapse exactly. of the uh, Soviet Union, uh, that's who these oligarchs are, is they were all the top businessmen at the time who basically came right. in and pillaged and, and uh, raped their country for, I don't know if that's a term I should have just used on the radio, but I mean, it is what <laughs> happened. Uh, Viking style came in and took all their resources and- Plundered. I think the word you're looking for is plundered. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Keep <laughs> <Beat> that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care, but yeah, like, yeah. But, no, um, I, I see what you mean. Like, not big charitable givers, these Russian oligarchs. Yeah, 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 they got every <laughs> opportunity to, and they wouldn't even right. feel it, you know? And then you're sitting here telling me that, that Bill, no, uh, who's the bald guy that looks like a thumb? Jeff Bezos. Jeff also Bezos. like 50% of billionaires, if we're being right. honest, but like, they all look the same. That like last year when I gave that 20 bucks to a homeless guy in a parking lot and I felt so good about it, that that's basically the equivalent. That's more than all he did last year. I mean, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Ugh. In terms of charitable giving. And it was like, a, and that's, that's including stuff that was probably like basically tax write-offs and stuff. Yeah. He did take so Shatner. To it's space. not even altruistic. So he did take Shatner to space. Well, that's good. You know, charity comes in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's, it's so true, Chelsea. So true. All right, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Uh, come on back. 
right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Uh, Kara, you got a follow-up from a news story we talked about, or at least a follow-up to one of my many questions. Let me tell you this, that um, my wife gets very irritated with me because I have a lot of questions, but I don't research any of them, and she <laughs> obsessively does. So the joke around the house is I'll use the term I wonder, and basically what that means is I'm adding crap to my wife's list to research later and answer the question for me. Exactly. So in prior... Uh, episode, I wondered if there really were a lot of Nazi clubhouses going on or something to the effect of that. Uh... Right. So we were talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene attending the white supremacist reality. And I think both of us kind of expressed shock at the idea that there are just people praising Hitler, that there are neo-Nazis, because it, it seems so counterintuitive. You know, It doesn't feel like you see those people. Right. So I wanted to do a follow up and just like look into it. Like, how many people are we talking about? Well, that sounds fun. What'd you find out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So a high quality poll taken after Charlottesville indicated that eight to nine percent of Americans think it is acceptable. That's the quote to be a Nazi or white supremacist. This works out to around 22 million Americans. Um, Now, this was one poll. Polls can be off by a few percentage points, but even if the number is only, say, 5%, that's still about five and one quarter Nazis for every trans person in the country. Curiously, another few percent on the same survey said they weren't sure they weren't sure whether it was acceptable to be a neo-Nazi, which, like, <laughs> I want to live in their world where they just don't know what a Nazi is. Huh. Seems nicer. They weren't sure if it would, that's that's funny. Okay, so there are that few trans people, huh? Yeah, well, trans. Or I people, guess there are that many. Nazi, I'm not sure. Which <laughs> way I need that's to what live. you took away from it. Yeah, so trans people are sitting pretty at about 0.7 percent, okay. <laughs> and Nazis, uh, apparently eight or nine percent, with a margin of error of about 3.5 percent. Okay, so let's just say five percent to be. To be easy, I still say yeah, that's 5% a lot of people. Yeah, 5% is super generous, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still say that's a lot of people. That's that's so many people. That's one like, in 20. Uh, that is one in 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it's like, if it's, ac- if the study was perfectly accurate, it's closer, you're getting closer to like one in six. Right. Or, or like if the margin of error goes the other way. Right, yeah. Which is good. Holy smokes. Right? What we so I, I read this. Questions. Sorry, go I ahead. Was, I was thinking probably like we were looking at a half a percent, which frankly I still think is, is way too many. You know, that still works out to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. That's what I was going to guess, though. But no, it's, there's so many. Yeah, because if one in 20, so we're looking at five out of every hundred. Right. Think it's okay to be a Nazi, to, yeah. to be a racist. Is it yeah, Nazi, 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 Nazi or white supremacist? Okay, white supremacist. Let's use the, so, yeah, because one one falls under the, you know, they're they're uh, there might be people who are fine with one, but not the other. Right, right. They're like <laughs> they're like Christians and Catholics. <laughs> Well, 
in the sense that a Catholic is a Christian, but a Christian is not a Catholic. You could have gone. You could have gone with so many things. You could have gone with uh, it's like squares and rectangles. Yes. You went with Christian well, I'm not and saying Catholic. The Christians and Catholics are not because the, just the, the segment couldn't the get any spicier. Structure works in the same way. No, okay. no, I get, I get it. So, so five out of every hundred people that you meet are white supremacists or think it's okay to be one but personally like i don't really i don't see how you could think it's okay to be exactly 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 so like and then i i gotta say subject uh, okay is subjective (laughs) do i think it's okay to be one well what does that mean like do we need to arrest them no we don't but do i think it's okay to be one like hey come over to my house for a barbecue that's a hard pass you know right do i think it is morally okay which right. I feel like was the the sort of vibe of the question, but you're right. Some some number of percentages of respondents might have taken it like to mean should they be sent to the you know the gulag? Not yeah, right. exactly. To the just trying to think of a, a term, you know. But yeah, so you know maybe some of them misunderstood the question, so we bump it down by a percentage point. But you, we're already bringing it down to five percent. That's like that's more than the margin of error is already. So, like, it's it's unlikely that there are that few Nazis, frankly. Yeah, so what percentage? So at that point, we're looking at what? Uh, 5% is, so we have about 350 million, let's say 400 million people in this country, although that's way high. So 5% of 100 million is 5 million, 20 million. You said 22 million, somewhere in there. So that, Yeah, it's 22 million if it's like 8 or 9%. So. Okay. We're probably, yeah. What percent of the white supremacists have little club meetings? Right. So if, let's say, only 1% of them actually have little club meetings, out of that 20 million, that means that there are, Two million members of little Nazi clubhouses in this country. That is a lot. Yeah, that's that's so lot. many. Yeah, that I might be wrong, but I want to say that's the population of Utah. Which I don't. Again, I don't mean to drag the Mormon. <laughs> I don't think they're Nazi, but just to get the idea. No, no, it's the numerically eight in yeah. our country. You know. That's that's a lot of people, you know, I I'm glad I could bring you this warm and fuzzy segment. I'm never leaving the apartment again, personally. Yeah. Well, now, well, yeah, especially you, you're outnumbered. They might think I'm exactly them. exactly. Yeah, they probably look at me and see some biker dude. Feel nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think your clubhouse's question is really revealing, though, because like, I think the reason we don't think there are that many Nazis is because we only encounter the Nazis who are dumb or crazy enough to like join a Nazi organization or get a swastika tattoo or like be out and proud about it. Which is the other terrifying aspect of this. There are Nazis that aren't dumb. And a lot of them, apparently. Yeah, the majority. Like I always knew that there were like some that were like leading it, you know? Yeah. Last, last week we talked about that movie Green Room where they, they were all dumb and then there was Patrick Stewart who was like leading the group and I'm like, yeah, there's the mm-hmm. smart Nazi. 
you know, the rare, the rare mythical smart Nazi has shown up, you know, but uh, apparently I don't, I don't know. I find this very disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they're dumb by dint of being Nazis, but like, sure. sure. (laughs) They're not dumb enough to identify themselves as such. Right. I, I think the other 90% of America, other 95% is is still pretty violently anti-Nazi, right? Like we don't we don't love them. So yeah, well, I mean except for those like three percent who weren't sure, which who are you? I'm I'm dying to meet a person who who isn't sure whether it's okay to be a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean somebody who doesn't know the word and then you'll explain it to them and they'll be oh, oh. It's like, <laughs> oh that sounds bad. <laughs> Or they'll be all, oh, like grandpa. <laughs> oh, God. <That's laughs> like probably. Uncle Bill. <laughs> and I mean, I wonder, honestly, just even beyond these percentages, like what percentage of Americans, if there are this many Nazis, what percentage of Americans hate the Nazis because they know we fought them in World War II and they know about the Holocaust, right? Right. But otherwise hold all the same political positions as the Nazis did. I I would bet it's a solid few percent if actual Nazism is this widespread. There's there's probably some people who wouldn't think of themselves that way, but like also would like to establish a white ethno state, which is literally the definition of being a Nazi. Well, I guess to be fair, you know, Nazi Germany was a socialized white ethnic state as opposed to a capitalist one. So they can hate it if they want to. I kind of it was. It was still it was still heavily capitalist. Uh, like the business leaders were basically in charge of everything. It was it was sort of state capitalism. But there was also, and this is kind of an important facet of it. It was a, in a sense, a strong welfare state, and that's what sort of the the S stood for, the socialism part. But also because Hitler knew that people like would vote would be more willing to vote for a socialist party at the time but really like the the whole ideology is if you're in the in group the state will do it will give you everything right and if you're not then you die (laughs) and that's how they get like the ideology of nazism is is super crude it's just we're going to kill all the people we don't like and divvy up their stuff and give that to the people we do like and to keep that going forever because that's obviously not sustainable we are either going to invade other places or just keep segmenting and segmenting who we deem acceptable in order to you know keep the loop flowing that's that's kind of the idea of nazism so i mean there are other ideas like thanos a little bit yeah a little bit thanos was just a random about who he was killing but as soon as he started picking he'd be a nazi basically to be fair that's actually not what like separates nazism from because there are other ideologies that are basically that in terms of like there's an in-group that we will give everything to and an out-group who we will destroy that's sort of fascism in, in general but another component of nazism that and fascism that's like just as important is also the idea that the world is divided into races and that each race is tied to a particular piece of land and that the competition between races is inevitable, natural, and good and will result in the extermination of inferior races. That's the 
that is ultimately the ideology of Nazism is that, and basically their team was the Aryans race, right? But they saw the world as being just a bunch of races and the races are fighting each other. That's, that's the idea. People so, don't, don't know this. People don't know what the Nazis were actually all about. They so Hitler was basically bad. a dungeon master. Yeah, kind of. Just pitting races against each other in their ancestral land and, uh, you know, wiping out the bad ones and the good ones are living. I mean, it is a very... Sounds like a D&D campaign, man. I want to emphasize, in case this was not clear to anyone... This is a bad, horrifying ideology, and it's like <laughs> I it, think it's clear. It it is not I based in not. fact, and if you believe it, you're a bad person. Because even if it was through some insane way based on fact, it would still be horrible. Right? <laughs> yeah. Huh. You know, I'm I, I'm just shocked that there's all these clubhouses. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this feeds into my my other thing. Sorry, it took me a couple seconds to put it together because I kind of view it like mixed in with like toxic masculinity, and I know that's a hot button word that's going to piss some people off. But um, so a lot of these Nazis are walking around thinking I'm better, I'm right. better, but I'm also going to sneak around in the shadows, not tell anybody about that little clubhouse. What a bunch of wusses, man! Come on out here and tell us what you're up to. You know, what a wussy, wussy move. You know, I always kind of view that like, like dudes who like, you know, sock their wife around and then in public are just all like, what? Oh, we're so great together. And blah, blah, blah. What a wuss, man. You are such a wuss, you know? And I know that, that that's like maybe uh, toxic masculinity in itself for my saying it, but uh, you know, you got to speak their language. Yeah. Honestly, I would, I don't have any data on this. I'm guessing the like numbers on people who are part of this 8% and people who beat their spouses, their wives, let's be honest. We're talking about men who beat women. Yeah. Is, is probably, I think that Venn diagram is a circle. I think. I got to pull my <laughs> tribe together, man. Yeah, Your tribe? My tribe, my tribe of, uh, cisgendered white men unfortunately in this world where where we um <laughs> well we live in this Rut world row. where everybody is everybody is that's separate. not what i wanted you to take away from it when i told you the ideology of fascism <laughs> pulling white men together yeah but you know we live in this world where like people are constantly like like going like well the gays do this and the blacks do this and the trans people are teaming up over here to do this and i'm constantly <laughs> aware that everybody else has like a a group that they're working with and and i appreciate that i think that's the way that the world works i gotta say uh my my group needs some better leadership yeah i'm uh I don't like not having a group. I, you know, I, I want to be a part of some stuff. But every time I go out, my tribe's all, hey, we should do this. And I'm all, no, not down. That's not a good idea. But of course, I'm joking aside. But, uh, you know, I, I think there is something there where people are finding a lot of pride in these uh, other aspects of their identities that they're able to sure. identify with other people and change the world and, and take a lot of pride in that. And, and, and they should, I've seen it a lot growing up throughout my life 
uh, in the gay community, which is a community that I've grown up close to, or, or you know, of course, seen it on on TV throughout the '60s and everything with the black community and stuff like sure. that. And yeah. uh, and um, you know, I I think it's great, and I think it's great for people. Uh, I think that uh, maybe the cisgendered white males need to get a different plan with their group than this one. Here's what I think you should do. That. <laughs> Here's my method for like, because you're right. It's nice to like be able to have an aspect of your identity that you feel you share with people and just sort of. But that's also unique, okay. you know, so so yeah. like a, a gay person is just all like, oh, well, we're a small part of this world, but we team together and we're family and we work together. I mean, that's beautiful. Right. So I've got the perfect solution. Here's what you do. You get really into astrology and you make a club for like, what are you, a Gemini, Capricorn, whatever, like. An Aquarius. You're an Aquarius? Okay. I don't know. I don't know how it worked. I don't know. So, Given the way the world treats me, I thought I had a big sign above my head that I only I couldn't see. So you, you make an Aquarius club. Problem solved. You missed the meat of my story. (laughs) That's possible. The meat of the story is that you're a part of a culturally relevant group that's changing the world and making differences on a on a cultural relevant to the way we're seeing society go. Right. The astrology group, for all the good they're doing, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Raising the profile of discriminated right. against. It's not fulfilling that. Uh, right. You know, that, that there's something about. Oh, no, I figured. Oh, no. Uh, what? There's something about. The persecution that makes it impressive. Yeah, that's the part. That's the part that makes it impressive. Yeah, well, so, so here's my advice to you uh, white guys out there looking for a new group. Uh, you don't want the persecution, so give it up. Yeah, join, join an ally advocacy group. You know, okay. that's, yeah. that's like, I think you're actually kind of pointing to a real thing. No, I, 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 I am, and I, and I, I really was <laughs> just working through it. You know, working through it right then. Don't get me wrong. It's not something that keeps me up at night or something that I'm just, what can I just belong? But it is a thought that crosses my head that I think, well, maybe people feel ostracized, mm-hmm. not for all the reasons that other people feel, but because they're not a part of the group. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I think like white pride or whatever is, is part of it. And see, <laughs> I'm of two minds on it because like these people are like, uh, we're proud to be white. And it's like, well, you, you shouldn't because that's a constructed identity that really only has any kind of meaning in relationship to like the ideologies of white supremacy. But also like, you know, you're probably the thing that you're most, like you're not German, you're not Irish. Like you're you're probably like one sixteenth all of these different things. So like, what, what are you going to do? Like Euromut pride? Yeah. <laughs> I think I can get behind just... that. That's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, but also like ultimately the point of like pride is you have pride w- when you are beaten down and told that you're right. lying. That's when you need pride. Like In you, the don't, face you of don't need pride if you I... aren't oppressed. So it's 
That is why I don't have white pride because I have no pride in the face of my oppressor. Right. You know, and, and that's, and I totally get you. That is exactly what that term means. You know, basically you're telling me that I should be ashamed. And my response is I will not be, you know? Yeah. And, uh, on the other hand, neo-Nazis are using that as a recruitment tool. So yeah, like, yeah, that's weird. It's, I, don't, I don't know what to do about that. I really don't. We'll take a break and then we'll come back. Uh, you're listening to Radio Waste. Radio Wasteland. Kara, you got something uh, something a little haunty to tell me about? Yeah, so let's talk about the Xerophopol Mansion in Romania. So it was built in 1850 by a local lord and later acquired by a wealthy horse seller, George Xerophopol, who lived there for many years. During the 1920s, George spent everything he had in attempts to discover crude oil on the estate after being told it was possible. Uh, that it was there by a number of unscrupulous businessmen whose identity I wasn't able to ascertain. In 1930, a ruined George hung himself, financially ruined, hung himself in his bedroom and was buried in the family crypt nearby. Afterwards, the mansion has been a site of peculiar activity, indistinct voices, bizarre sounds, steps, and mysterious cold currents that appear to draft through the very walls. The locals call it the house of evil and the house of the devil, since during the day it is said to be charming and untroubled, but at night exudes an aura of intense menace. After the communists take over in Romania, the mansion was confiscated by the regime, although I haven't been able to determine what, if anything, it was used for. In the early 2000s, the heirs reclaimed the estate, um, who donated it to the local community to be used as a school for arts and crafts reasons that are not clear, possibly the preponderance of ghosts. The building is not currently used as part of any teaching effort and has basically been abandoned. It's good to see that uh, Romania is an all talk. Yeah, I, I want there to be haunted mansions in Romania, and I'm yeah. happy that there are. Yeah. You know, it's like it's got to maintain. I mean, we all know Vlad happened. Sure. Long time ago, though. Right, right. You know, you got to what have you done for me lately in the ghost exactly. department? <laughs> exactly. You know, nobody's. Yeah, exactly. What have you done for me lately? You know, Eastern Europe is is definitely one of those places that uh, I've always wanted to go to, probably for the wrong reasons. <laughs> probably right. not for the reasons why Eastern Europe would like Europeans would like us to come. It's because you're a horror buff and you want to you want to see the Draculas. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah, that would be a great movie of going there, going, show me the Draculas, you know, some obnoxious setup. Show theme. me the Draculas. Right. Yeah. Like a B movie from the 70s. Yeah, a bunch of a dra- uh, bunch of goth kids, you know, yeah. on their on their gap year go to uh, uh, Pennsylvania. I'll be honest, I'm the exact same. Like and you know, I actually this is kind of a tangent. But I, for a really long time, used to think that the Kitrick name came from Ukraine. And I thought that I was Ukrainian because um, it, Kitrick, Kitrick is actually an Irish name taken from the Norse. But it's, that wasn't our, our real name because the 
people who came over were illiterate. Their original name was probably something like Katawis. They said it at the Ellis Island and the people wrote down Kittrick because they, they misheard it and misunderstood and they couldn't spell it. So that's just kind of what happened. Another right. Kittrick put Kittrick on there. Anyway, I found out the other year talking to my, or the other day talking to my dad. No, they weren't Ukrainian at all. They were some Germans who lived in Ukraine for like a year. It's like so so disappointing because because Eastern Europe, I think I think has a little bit more mystique than Western Europe does. Yeah, and Germany is like the gateway to Eastern Europe. Though. It it is, yeah, and, and Germany's cool, but everyone's German. Uh, you know, I you mean, want you want to get some of that Slavic charm. You want to get yeah. some of that weird, like. Yeah, I had my twenty-three uh, and me done. As you know, I'm adopted, so my my family came here thirteen generations ago. I am the thirteenth generation of Hallworths in America. This is the family that I was adopted into. British nice. family, very British to the point where my dad, when he adopted me and my brother, basically specified that he wanted us to be completely white. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. My dad, uh, he had some. Yeah, I, I could kind of tell the British thing from the name Chauncey Haworth. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like, I think that's. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad was a, a slightly racist gay man. So uh, there was a lot of combination uh, stuff to work out in there. But um, yeah. being adopted, I never really knew. And uh, I was told I was half Italian okay. and half uh, English. And my brother was all English. This is what I was told growing up. And, uh, you know, my, you know, my mom passed on. And then years later, uh, we're cleaning some stuff out of the attic. And I find my adoption paperwork. And my brother sons is adopted adoption paperwork. And it turns out I'm 100% English and Soames is actually half Italian. So all this, all this time, whoever told us this got our paperwork. They got messed it messed up. up. Yeah. Also, it turns out that my birth parents, my <laughs> this is weird. Have I told you this? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. My my birth mom was fourteen. My birth father was in his early twenties, and they were both water sports enthusiasts. That this is all the papers said. That my, honestly seems like <laughs> where someone named Chauncey Haworth, who was 100% British, would come from. Yeah. They were probably the freaking Yale rowing team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look up water sports enthusiasts today, you're going to get different results. But at the time, true. 1976, <laughs> when I was born, uh, I think it meant volleyball. So. Oh, okay. Like water volleyball? Yeah. I don't I don't know anything about like different sports, especially not sports that are played in the water. So like I, right, I'm right. surprised there even is such a thing. But right, right. They okay. make you melt. I get you. Um, <laughs> well, I just can't cross it if it's moving at all. So. Right. Oh, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So but I did also find out that I'm two percent northern Jew, northern European Jew. Nice. I don't know what that means, but apparently I'm that. I don't really know what that means either, but I I assume it's just 
Jewish people who had been living for centuries and centuries and centuries in Northern Europe. To the point where it created a, a new genetic marker. Yeah, or something like that. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's referring to like Northern like Israel in ancient times or something. I think that's kind of unlikely. I, I think it's probably the first thing, but who knows? Like all, but all these like ways of like grouping race and stuff genetically are, are pretty arbitrary, you know? So it's, it's, it's based on sort of history and culture as much as it is genes. Yeah, no, I know race is not a scientific term, you know, right. <laughs> or at least not a hard science term. Exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, back to the hauntings, though. Uh, I want to spend the night somewhere that has hauntings. I really do. I want to, I want to know if I feel something. I, I want to do right. what other people do. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get all the little machines. I don't want to do all that <laughs> yeah. i just want to sleep there yeah so just my cpap mainly <laughs> so you will have a bunch of machines <laughs> i will have one machine yes <laughs> yeah okay yeah i don't know you know have, have you ever spent the night in a haunted house no although i feel like the house in which i grew up was maybe at least slightly haunted by what disappointment sadness <laughs> well no it's just because i had a lot of like waking experiences with ghosts there that i never had anywhere else and when i say with ghosts i mean like seeing glowing white fingers like so obviously there's all kinds of things about like sleep paralysis that's obviously what it is but also i've never experienced any of the sleep paralysis hallucinations any place other than uh that house and also, so there was one time when I was a really little kid, um, and this was probably a dream or something, probably, right? But I remember waking up in the middle of the night and being unable to get back to sleep and looking over the side of my bed and like this hand came up and I reached out and I just sort of held the hand for a little bit and then it sort of snaked back down. And then the next morning I'm like, ha ha, Brian, real funny, you know, to my brother hiding under my bed because he, he would sort of play pranks on me while I was sleeping. He did that like twice or something. Um, and he's like, that I did not do that. What? And I later realized, no, that doesn't make sense because it was the middle of the night. So have you ultimately asked him today, have you asked him today if that was true or not? Uh, I, I think I've mentioned it to him. He has not, he has not brought it up. So no. I, I, I think he doesn't remember this at all. So there's that. And then there's also um, in second grade, I remember coming out of my room to use the bathroom and turning and seeing on sort of this balcony right under the smoke alarm, uh, this spectral sort of silhouette of a woman holding a teacup. And it was glowing white and I was freaked out and I just like went back into my room and I saw the same silhouette like a ton of other times over that year to the point that like if I got up out of bed to use the bathroom, I just like wouldn't look towards the balcony. I would really try not to because it freaked me out. Um, and eventually I got up the courage to like go and just go and stand right where it was and look at it. And I went up and it, 
it was just kind of the shadow from the smoke alarm that sort of it was just kind of the luminescence sort of looked that way from a different uh-huh. angle and i accepted that right. but later in life i've been like never have i ever like seen the luminescence of a smoke alarm full form like a 3d figure of a woman with a teacup like how does that even happen so there's a lot of stuff like that that taken individually is not terribly compelling and i'm only like five i am only like 10 percent thinking that maybe it was haunted but when you add this all together it's a little haunted Do you ever look into the history of the house? Uh, my parents built it. There was no history. Huh. But the place in... Do you look into uh, the history of teacup tea ladies in the area? Well, so that was hard. But, like, the, the place upon which it was built was a mining camp. Um, and we don't know anything about it. We only know that because the hills show clear signs of placer mining. There are foxholes. Um, and there are like rocks that have had that have been carved in such a way to like have posts put on them so it was we we know it was at some point probably like in the gold rush a mining camp because there's a creek down behind the house and the people pan for gold there so that that's my pet theory as to where any ghosts might you know hail from in terms of 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 the haunting is they were they were miners. It does raise the question: What exactly do you spend your free time doing? Because like I watch a lot of TV and draw pictures, uh, but you seem and I'm impressed by this. You seem to have a general pretty good knowledge of just about every topic of jackassery that I can come up with. Um, you might need to give yourself a little vacation. Take a little vacation. Sit on the couch in one of your weird robes and just marathon out some crappy TV. You know, Love Island. You need some Love Island in your life. I, I have watched a lot of Vampire Diaries, actually. Okay. Okay. Of course, on that yeah. plane. But. Yeah, that's worse, that's worse for your IQ than lead, so. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I... I believe that it's useful to turn your brain off but uh... <laughs> well i think the point of what i was saying is i always am impressed at uh, the amount of knowledge that you're capable of retaining even the even the reference to i mean i understand you don't have the numbers in there maybe necessarily <laughs> but you're able to reference stuff it's like uh, i do not have a memory at all you know my wife i think is is literally a genius and the reason why i think she's a genius is because she can solve any problem that's put in front of her you just can't well i can't do that (laughs) i just have a good memory i don't mean mathematically i mean i mean in life you can put any obstacle in front of terry and she will figure out how to take care of it and probably to her benefit and i've realized over the years that a lot of it has to do with her just unnatural memory she is just able to remember factoids and stuff from all sorts of things you ever go to a restaurant where you give that where you give your order to the person and they take the order for six people at your table without writing it down yeah yeah it'll that, that freaks that. me out yeah no she i could do that <laughs> and it's insane 
And she tells me that the reason why she can do it is because for the same reason why I can, that I basically fill my brain with a bunch of useless dribble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, basically she's taking a hit for the team. She remembers all the crap so that I can dream about nothing. (laughs) I think I just, I follow the news to a much greater extent than a lot of people well not even the news really i think i follow politics to a much greater extent than most people do so i've got a lot of like statistics and stuff kicking around and i've i've just i've read a lot more i think than most people have about just sort of arguments pro and con on issues and all that kind of thing but like not to a useful level on any of it i think i i think i am firmly I am either in the Dunning-Kruger like peak or the valley on basically everything I know. I'm not at the long plateau of experthood on on really anything. Yeah, well, um, I, w- I was thinking about that. Uh, Dunning-Kruger, <laughs> Dunning-Kruger? Yeah, Dunning-Kruger. I, I Dunning-Kruger scale, and that, that it's very much like a fractal because, um, so, you know, here's our scoop, right? And we're, mm-hmm. here's everything you know know and don't know about drawing with a pencil and so i'm going to use something i do so here's everything you know and don't know about drawing with a pencil and then within that here's everything that you know and don't know about drawing with that 2b pencil and then within that 4h pencil and then within that using a tortillon and then within that different page textures and like so it's constantly zooming in and out you're constantly in multiple stages of being an absolute idiot and genius at the same time. <laughs> That's true. I mean, writing is the same way. I think I can, I think I can write decently well, but ask me to write like a, I don't know, um, a Regency romance. I don't think I would be very good at that, right? There's just so many different genres in writing. Right, yeah. <laughs> well. All right, well, uh, we're about at the end here. I do need to throw in that I've just realized that I've talked very nicely about my wife this uh, this uh, episode, and I will throw in that the reason why is my wife and I don't spend much time apart from one another, but she's actually gone down to Reading for the weekend, and it's just me and the boys. Oh, no. Me and the cat and the dog. <laughs> and uh, my wife I knew and that's what you me. meant by the boys. <laughs> what? I knew that was what you meant by the boys. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. cat, the dog, and my daughter. <laughs> no, my Those are the boys. No, daughter oh, and daughter's to. also gone. <laughs> yeah, so I miss my little family. So that must be why I'm talking so right. nice about it. All right, uh, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. I've been uh, Chauncey, she's been Kara, and you've been tolerable. <laughs> All right, come back next week. Come to the rain.